In the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 48. Isaiah chapter 48. Earlier this summer in the daily Bible reading schedule, many of us used the massive volume of prophecy written by Isaiah was there before us on the page. We should understand that Isaiah not only issued prophecies about the coming of Christ. There were some more immediate prophecies delivered by Isaiah pertaining to God's people going to Babylon and instruction about their existence in Babylon where they were exiled and the end of Babylonian captivity was stated by the prophet even naming the conqueror and this was a long time before the captivity ended. It is an impressive thing about God that because of their sin Israel was sent to Babylon and yet while they were in exile there God expressed His care for them and gave instruction for them to follow and gave them hope in very specific detail. Here's part of that in Isaiah 48, 12 through 19. Listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, whom I called. I am He, I am the first, and I am the last. My hand laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. Assemble all of you and listen. Who among them has declared these things? The Lord loves him. He shall perform his purpose on Babylon, and his arm shall be against the Chaldeans. I, even I, have spoken and called him. I have brought him and he will prosper in his way. Draw near to me, hear this. From the beginning I have not spoken in secret. From the time it came to be, I have been there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his Spirit. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your offspring would have been like the sand, and your descendants like its grains. Their name would never be cut off or destroyed from before me. One of the most important concepts that emerges from the pages of Scripture for human beings to accept and hold to is captured in Isaiah 48, 12 in one simple word. Listen. Should you have the King James, the word is hearken. In most of the other English translations, the word is is listen. Now, we all know what that means. Parents say to their children all the time, listen. And if you're not a parent, when you were a youngster, you heard this word from your parents, listen. 
Now, what is the meaning when that word is used? First, that attention be paid to what is about to be said or what has just been said. Push distractions away and pay good attention. But further, if what is said contains instruction, the idea is that the instruction be followed. There are children who hear but do not comply with the instruction. There are adults who know what they've been instructed to do, but they just do not do it. Now, connect this in with the history. Why were the descendants of Jacob in Babylonian exile? They hadn't listened to God. If they heard the words, they had not consistently followed the instructions contained in those words. One of the primary elements of their apostasy was they turned from God to idols. God had warned them of Canaanite idolatry, but they did not listen. God had said through Moses, worship only the Lord. They turned from their God to false gods. And so God, after warning them over and over in exceeding patience, sent them into exile in Babylon. But now, while they are in exile, He is expressing His care for them and making this appeal. Listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, whom I called. You know, the tone of this really sounds like, Are you going to listen to me now? Have you ever had that experience? where you tell someone over and over what they need to hear, and then eventually your tone begins to change, and you say, are you you going to listen to me now? I picked that tone up in Isaiah. Listen to me, O Jacob. And then God speaks through Isaiah to remind the people who they're dealing with. They're not dealing with dumb idols not images made by the hands of men or chunks of wood. God says, I am He. I am the first and I am the last. Add to that verse 13. (coughs) My hand laid the foundation of the earth and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I called to them, they stand forth together. One of the modern translations says, When I called them, they stand at attention. Now, the idols the sons of Jacob had followed had never created anything. Could not speak, could not hear. Reference was made to that in the passage Darl read from Habakkuk. Idols, or the non-existent gods they represented, could not claim they were first, they were last. In fact, they didn't claim anything because they couldn't speak. Those idols and the gods they represented had not laid the foundations of anything and did not speak anything to listen to or to stand to attention about. In this section of Isaiah, the contrast between dumb idols and the God of Israel stands out in bold relief. 
as something the exiles needed to really pay good attention to now. Listen to me. The idols made by men are nothing. I am he. I am the first and the last. God said to them through Isaiah. Verse 14. <coughs> it's repeated. Assemble all of you and listen. Who among them has declared these things? Stop there a moment. The non-existent gods of the ancient pagan world, the false gods of Baal, the Canaanite priests, the gods and goddesses, who among them has declared these things? God is almighty and sovereign. That underlies all of this. The idols and false gods are nothing and they're incapable of exerting any control over anything. They cannot even speak. They cannot even command. And they certainly cannot provide blessing. Now, the next phrase here is tricky, so stay with me. The Lord loves him. He shall perform his purpose on Babylon. You need to keep those phrases together. From historical... Literary context, I'm talking about what we read in Isaiah. We know that God had chosen Cyrus as the instrument of his wrath against Babylon and coinciding with that to get his people out of exile. Let me say that again. From history given by Isaiah, and other prophets mentioned this, God had chosen Cyrus as the instrument of his wrath against Babylon and coexistent with that, God's purpose to get his people out of exile. I think that's what's being referred to here. That's who is being referred to. God didn't love Cyrus to the point of any approval of his behavior or to save him, but God loved his choice of a conqueror to redeem his people and to punish Babylon. Maybe you have the NIV that reflects this. Come together, all of you, and listen. Which of the idols has foretold these things? The Lord's chosen ally will carry out his purpose against Babylon. His arm will be against the Babylonians. Or, if you should have the American Standard Version, assemble yourselves, all ye, and hear who among them hath declared these things. He whom Jehovah loveth shall perform his pleasure on Babylon. This is the one God chose to perform his pleasure on Babylon. Now, I said to you a moment ago that the connection with this verse and Cyrus is revealed in the history given by Isaiah. Let me go back and show you that. In Isaiah 44, 28, God says about Cyrus... He is my shepherd and will accomplish all that I please. He will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt. And of the temple, let its foundations be laid. Then the next chapter, Isaiah 45, 1. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. 
And then verse 13 of Isaiah 45, I will raise up Cyrus in my righteousness. I will make all his ways straight. He will rebuild my city and set my exiles free, but not for a price or reward, says the Lord Almighty. God is using Cyrus. And reference is being made to this here in the text that we have opened in Isaiah 48. And what God is doing is He's demanding that His people in exile pay attention, <clears throat> give heed, understand what I'm going to do, and understand the obvious difference between idols and what they cannot do, and God and what He can do, and says that He will through Cyrus. He shall perform His purpose on Babylon. And in all of this, God communicates His steadfast care for His people. There is the tone of rebuke, and you need to repent. You need to do what's right. But at the same time, it's accompanied by, obviously, His care. Concerning God's use of Cyrus against Babylon to release His people, look now at verses 15 and 16. I, even I, have spoken and called Him. I have brought him, and he will prosper in his way. Draw near to me, hear this. From the beginning I have not spoken in secret. From the time it came to be, I have been there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his Spirit. Isaiah is delivering this message from God to the descendants of Jacob, who, though sent into Babylonian exile, still have hope, of their return and restoration. God had not only made plans to get them out, He had selected a leader who would be His instrument, and He had prophesied that many years before Cyrus came. 17 and 18. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your offspring would have been like the sand and your descendants like its grain. Their name would never be cut off or destroyed from before me. Some readers of the Bible may miss this. Someone who helped me get it was the writer of a commentary. Homer Haley, in his commentary, makes this very clear to me. Although Jehovah might be accused of harshness in allowing Israel to go into captivity, it must be remembered that He is also their Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. What He has done and will do is right because of who He is. He is God. Think of this. To keep His people together for covenant purposes, it was right for God to punish them for embracing idolatry. Now He considers it right at the end of this period of punishment to use Cyrus to deliver them and let them go home. That's Isaiah 48, 12 through 19. From all of this, 
What are we to learn? Throughout Scripture, from Genesis to the end of Revelation, God reveals Himself. He communicates clearly who He is, what He expects, and attached to that blessings and consequences. As we read the prophets, we cannot just hurry through the prophets and quickly dismiss this as ancient history. This happened a long time ago. Isaiah was talking to people. I'm not in that audience. While it is historical, it also holds great value for us in learning about the God we deal with and will stand before someday in judgment. Though we are not in a nationalistic Jewish system under the Old Covenant, the God we deal with is the one God they dealt with. The God we serve is the one who spoke to them, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is sovereign, and that means there is no other, there's no one above God. Look at some key expressions from Isaiah and Attached to it other parts of Scripture about who God is. He is the I Am. Almighty God, Genesis 17, 1, Isaiah 13, 6. He declares Himself to be a great King in Malachi 1, 14, who has established His throne in heaven and His kingdom rules over all, Psalms 103, 19. In Isaiah 44, 6, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. Isaiah 40, 28, the everlasting God. And in 1 Thessalonians 1, 9, the living and true God. How do we come to conviction about all that? We read the prophets. We read the Old Testament. And who God is stands out. The God we serve and will stand before in judgment. It is encouraging for believers, but dreadful for unbelievers and idolaters and the disobedient. God reveals Himself through the prophets. Something else. Here's what the Lord does for those who listen in verse 17. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. The prophet of this verse is not about your financial balance sheet. It's about your life. The NIV does this well. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. But what do I need to do about all that? Listen. I need to pay attention as I read God's Word and let God's Word nurture within me good intentions. God is teaching me what is best. He's directing me in the way that I should go, and the same for you. As we pay attention to Almighty God, the text here says we have peace like a river flowing through our lives and righteousness like the waves of the sea. Reading the prophets can seem to be tedious sometimes. We've been doing that this summer. 
those of us who follow the schedule many of us follow. Why is it that reading the prophets can be tedious and difficult? I think probably for two reasons. One, the less acquainted we are with the Old Testament story, the harder it is to navigate the prophets. Two, the prophets repeated themselves a lot. It may seem like when you read one section of prophetic material, it is like all the other sections of prophetic writings. In fact, Doral read from Habakkuk some of the same things we've read tonight in Isaiah chapter 48. Well, why is all that repetition on the pages the prophets wrote? That's because God, through the prophets, was dealing with the same old problem. Only in different times and with slightly different manifestations. The underlying problem, sin, was the problem. So God's response to sin is going to be the same. It's going to have that tone of rebuke and that call to repent. Or else, it's all over the prophetic writings. One more thing. The prophetic writings and the identification of sin that I've just referred to is relevant to our time. You ever been reading from the prophets and you say to yourself, that's what's happening today. You ever read descriptions of sin from Isaiah or Habakkuk or the other prophets and say to yourself, it's like they're here today talking to the people in society around us. The more you read what the prophets said to the people then, the more it sounds like what's happening in our society. It is. Departing from God is pretty current, isn't it? It's not limited to the sons of Jacob. It's pretty current. The sins identified in the prophetic writings we observe today. So what the prophets said then, in essence, needs to be repeated today. And here it is in three words children can understand. Listen to God. Consider who He is. Understand how modern idolatry leaves man empty. And so God says today, through the gospel of Christ, draw near to me. Listen and follow through. I hope this helps us as we read the prophets of the Old Testament. Let's be standing as we sing.